Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. sorry, I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think I'm a concept, or I complete them, or I'm gonna make them alive. I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we ask the age-old question, why are men? And are men necessary? Um, and we've largely come to the conclusion that we don't know and probably not. Uh, I am Lauren Humphreys Brooks. With me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello. Yeah, how yes. are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, yesterday when we threw that question out or you did on Citizen Dame and and one of our amazing listeners, Shakita, said, oh, I think men are necessary for some things. And I was just like, mm. I'm still not convinced. There are definitely there are definitely men I enjoy having around. They're great people. I had dinner with one of them last night. Um, not a date. It was a group of friends. But um, but uh, you know, some I, I do quite enjoy their company. But are they necessary? I don't know. I'm still I, I'm still deciding. You know, I think they're probably necessary for the continued propagation of the species, but uh, otherwise, eh, I don't know. Well, as the um, great philosopher Diana, Princess of Themyscira, said, men are essential <laughs> for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. <laughs> oh my god, we're going to end this podcast by both being like, so we're going to come out or something? I don't know, because... <laughs> My God, it can get to be exhausting being a woman generally and definitely being a straight woman. Um, mm-hmm. not, not that lesbians or bisexuals or anyone else has it easy. I'm not saying that at all. No. Um, none of us have it easy. None of us do. None of us do. But yeah, men, you're making it really difficult to be attracted to you. Uh, <laughs> Unless you're Chris Pine. <laughs> Unless you're like Chris Pine. There are a few. Chris Pine, Tika Watiti. Uh, you know, there, there's some kind of mixed in there that we're all right with. We, we've granted a few exceptions <laughs> my god men have just been they have just been on this week it's like they all need to sit down you know take a chill pill calm down a little bit stop letting their emotions rule them um you know they're really excitable people so yeah it's a little bit it's a little frightening i'm, I'm a little you know concerned for their well-being uh, so please guys just just chill out and stop being wrong just stop and, being wrong online and and aggressively being wrong like not even listening to people who tell you leave me alone and or you're wrong because you're wrong yeah like first of all I've never understood why they think that we need to have their opinion like why their opinion is so essential to our lives uh I, I so not that I want any man to try to explain that to me because the fact is your opinion is not necessary to my life, no matter what reason you give. Uh, some, some opinions I'd like to know, but I don't need it. And especially if I tell you, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think. And you're not going to talk me into caring what you think. 
Well, that, that was the thing. So my, my own altercation with a particular uh, male film critic, who I'm pretty positive that I've gotten into this argument with before because I had muted him for a while and then somehow he wound up back on my page. Um, you know, the, the whole like, like, well, so what, so I felt like I shouldn't be saying anything about this. Uh, so like, what should, what do you want me to say? It's like, maybe you can just not say anything. You could just not speak. And then no one would be like, Hey, you're being a dick because if you're not speaking, we can't know that you're such a sexist dick. (laughs) Um, but of course, I think he kept on responding to me, like, because <laughs> I definitely muted him again. And then there were like five, you know, you've muted this person responses underneath. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to like, let him keep on talking. And when he's done, he can, oh, he now can I just have to look. <laughs> don't tell me, please don't. I won't. Like. I won't. I just need to know for myself. <laughs> I'm just really curious. But like, yeah then I commented on somebody else's thing and then he like liked my comment I'm like why are you here (laughs) go away nobody cares I think that there's some dudes who um they do kind of like a passive aggressive liking thing on twitter where pay attention to me don't don't forget I'm here yeah exactly where where it's like where you respond to them and then they like your comment even though you're basically calling them an idiot um and i don't i don't know what the deal is there but it's it's bizarre anyways we're not going to go through our own twitter fights today uh i do think that we need to address one of the things that happened this week in terms of how men are terrible um and and then we can move on from this the fact of the matter is i have not actually seen anything that this guy has produced or this guy has been in but uh, recently, actor Noel Clark was accused of groping, harassment, and bullying by 20 different women. Um, this was within like a couple of days of Clark winning a BAFTA. And what came out was that BAFTA had actually been informed of this investigation and this Guardian article that was going to come out within a couple of days. Um, and, and they were informed within like, you know, two weeks before any of this happened before the BAFTAs and uh, and before the article came out, they didn't do anything. So they made absolutely no changes uh, and they awarded Clark a BAFTA. And now all of this stuff has come out about him doing all kinds of things to women, um, ranging from being a bully, right? To like making them do nude performances, performances in bikinis. It's very disturbing. We'll link to the Guardian article because it kind of details all of the accusations against him. We're talking about 20 women, 20 different women have accused this man of inappropriate sexual behavior. Um, Jesus Christ. Like, and this is someone who just, he just won a BAFTA. Mm -hmm. He just won one. And, and BAFTA knew about it. BAFTA knew that this was going to happen, knew that this was coming down the pike. And I, I do wonder what the, like, I've, I've read their reasoning, but it's still like, what did you think was going to happen? Because this was only going to make you look bad when it came out, because it was going to come out one way or another. Um, so I, I don't understand what the reasoning is. Uh, I don't understand why they would, I guess, defend this guy or defend their own behavior on this. It's, it's distressing and it's just, you know, yet another addition to, to the long list of men in power in, um, in cinema and in theater who have obviously exploited that power and used it just sometimes just to be assholes, but other times to be 
to drive people out of the industry, right? To make women so uncomfortable that they don't want to do their own jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. It's horrifying. It is. It is. I mean, as for this particular individual, Noel Clark, um, it's, it's interesting because he followed the typical pattern that you see every time these types of stories come out where it's like deny, deny, deny. And then, okay, well, we still deny it, but he's going to seek some help. And that's exactly what happened this week. Like denied it like everywhere. No way this never happened. And I, you know, if I made anyone uncomfortable, it was totally unintentional. And then yesterday there was another story that he's going to seek help but he still denies doing anything wrong. It's like, what are you seeking help for then? Yeah, it's it's a very bizarre kind of thing. It's like you want, they want to have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, I didn't do this. There, was, there wasn't anything wrong. I didn't mean anything wrong by it, but also I'm going to seek help. It's like, okay, but those don't fit together. Right. Because if you didn't do anything wrong, then there's not, like you say, there's nothing you need to seek help for. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's such a, it's, it's so obviously a performance because yep. I true I don't think that he believes he did anything wrong per se, um, or that there is anything he needs to seek help for. There, you know, sex addiction is a real thing, um, and people are disturbed, and there are people that actually do need help. But not every guy who uh, behaves like this with women is you know, has sex addiction. This is not some, this is not a disease, right? That you suddenly are like, ah, well now I'm going to go fix this. Like, no, you obviously don't want to fix it. The only reason why you are saying this is because you got caught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you think that this is going to be an easy way out of trouble for you. Um, By the way, I just saw last night also, totally separate story, but you know, related because gross men. Harvey Weinstein, he's getting extradited to LA to stand trial. <laughs> the judge said within the next 30 days, he has to be in LA. Oh boy. And oh boy. <laughs> the case in LA, from my understanding, the case in LA is even stronger than what they had in New York. I mean, I I want I want this man to suffer and I want him to continue to suffer. You know, we yep. keep on getting reports of things about him. And, and I am pleased that most of the people that I follow, their immediate responses, like, well, how are the women that he, like, assaulted doing? Because that's really what I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fuck him. Yeah. I, I don't care. Like, I don't want him to die, <laughs> per se. But I don't wish that on anybody, right? But, but I don't care what he's going through as a human being, particularly. Yeah, no. Like, when he had COVID, I was just like, okay good yep. i hope it sucks <laughs> like, lot, i don't know of, i don't care a lot of people have covid mm-hmm. must be terrible i mean yeah like I, there are a lot of people i feel a lot more sympathy for <laughs> yeah exactly but it's just nice to know that like that case is still going forward nobody has said well he's gonna die in prison in new york let's just let's just move on with our lives like they really want they want him to be held accountable for as much of his wrongdoing as possible and i'm mm-hmm. i'm glad to see that so yeah that's, because that's the la yeah because the la survivors deserve to have their day in court too yeah I, I think that at this point it's more it's less about punishment and i think ultimately a lot of this has been less about punishment than it has been about 
giving that kind of closure to the people, to the survivors, to the people that have experienced this, to giving them the opportunity if they need to, to, you know, actually make their stories heard and be believed. Mm -hmm. And that's what's most important. What's most important is that these women are able to find a way to close this off and to maybe move on with their lives. And, um, and, you know, and even to face the person who did this to them and actually see that he is being brought to justice at some level. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think like if certain people had been held accountable for their actions, you know, years ago, maybe the industry would have had this change a long time ago and we wouldn't be dealing with the problems that we're dealing with today. I don't know. I mean, that's an unknowable thing, but I wonder about it a lot. It it goes back to the thing I think that Emma Thompson said, and and other people have said this in various forms uh, ever since all of this has begun to come out, but but Emma Thompson said this very early on with the Harvey Weinstein stuff, just that it shouldn't take 20 women. It should take one. Mm -hmm. Um, it shouldn't be 20 women have had to suffer this. And, you know, and and if you're talking about 20 women who have made allegations, you know that there are more, you know that there are more, as you said, I think the other day uh, on our Slack, that you know that there are multiple, that there are a whole bunch of people who haven't talked about it because for a multitude of reasons, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't take that many women for any of them to be believed it should be one woman should say this man did this to me and she should be believed and that should and regardless of whether or not this actually brings him to justice that should be the end of his career yeah right? that should he should not he should no longer be in a position of power right so we should not have 20 women coming out about um noel clark talking about this shit it should be one woman came out and talked about it and and bafta didn't give him a fucking award right um but of course, that's that's not the way that it is. And and you know, you ask those questions like, God, you know, why don't women say this? Well, because they don't have anything to gain. Like, and and at a certain point, I think a lot of women don't come out because they know if I'm just the one person, I'm probably not going to be believed. If there are 15 other people standing with me, then maybe we will all be believed because no one can process that. Like, oh, this isn't an aberration. This is obviously a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so exhausting. Yep, it really is. So yeah, so Noel Clark, uh, hopefully something will come of all of this. I know that the case I think has been turned over to the London police. So they, this is similar to Weinstein, the fact that this is actually being pursued as criminal. Good. Um, all right, so moving on to like maybe some slightly, slightly better things. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say Chloe Zhao. Um, we did not get a chance to talk about the Oscars, uh, because you have been spending a lot of time talking about the Oscars and I barely paid attention to the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Um, but Academy Award winner, Chloe Zhao. The big one, the big one was Chloe Zhao, I think, um, more so than almost anything else. And of course there were all kinds of things that went on at the Oscars that were bizarre, (laughs) Mm-hmm. and and also good and and you know i think that every oscars i feel like there's a combination of what the fuck and oh that's really cool yeah so, yeah so um so yeah chloe zhao became the second woman in oscar history to win a best director oscar and she is the first woman of color 
So we are very, very excited for her. It felt like it was almost a done deal anyways. You kept on saying, oh yeah, she's going to win 100%. But it was still nice to actually see it happen. There's always that chance that the Academy is going to screw up. Yeah, exactly. It's always possible that they're not going to get it right as as we saw with some categories. And, you know, (laughs) there are different opinions on others, but... (laughs) Well... I mean, do we want to talk about the Chadwick Bosman thing? Because it, um, it just got weird. I don't know if I want to say this on the record, but no, we can talk about it. No, no, we can talk about it because here's here's what I think needs to be said. So first of all, um, <laughs> I love how I don't love. I'm just you know. For years, when I was you know with award circuit and stuff, we would do our podcasts and we would talk about like what if they just didn't do best picture last and i love how steven soderbergh's like yeah what if well we found that out and that will never happen again (laughs) so um it really sucked that they tried to force a moment and um and then it didn't work out the way they wanted and they were so intent on the on and so focused it seems well, he, I'm going to say he, because everyone knows it was Soderbergh who got final call on all that stuff. He got to make the decisions and the Academy just let him do it. But, you know, then the stories came out that Anthony Hopkins's reps were saying like, please, he's old. He's not going to travel in a pandemic. Please just let him zoom in his speech. And if they had let him, even if they had the category last, which they shouldn't have, um, and, he, and Anthony Hopkins still won, they would have still gotten their tribute to Chadwick Boseman because he would have done that because he's a classy yeah. man. He did it in the video he recorded the next morning when he found out he won, you know? So it's like, they still would have gotten a little bit of that moment. It wouldn't have been the same. And honestly, it would have been better than ending on his on Chadwick Boseman's still grieving widow. Like, what the hell was that? That's not yeah. fair of like, I mean, we all miss him. We all love him. We all recognize that he was a talent that was unmatched and we're not going to see someone like him. I mean, there's lots of great actors, but we're not going to see him again, you know, and, and that's hard. And we all want to grieve the loss of him, but to trot out his widow and use her for this forced emotional moment, it just, it, that wouldn't have been fair. And then to botch it as badly as they did on top of that was just ridiculous and i also want to say it's really unfair too to anthony hopkins who has had an exceptional career and still managed to give the best performance of his life in the father and as much as i was rooting for chadwick boseman to win anthony hopkins absolutely deserved an oscar for that too i honestly wish they could have tied (laughs) um because they're both incredible and it really sucks that that Hopkins's win now is being just like diminished by mostly by film Twitter who is just hurt that their favorite person didn't win well yeah I mean like you said the whole thing is the whole thing is a screw up by Soderbergh and the producers of the of the awards because you do have this you, you basically have an untenable situation right where if Bozeman if Bozeman loses then you have something like this um where 
everybody is mad at whoever won. Like if anyone other than Bozeman had won, I think that there would have still been that same kind of outcry. But they set it up so obviously that he was going to win. But they don't have control over that. Right. They the set producer- it up where it was like, did they open the envelope ahead of time? Did they know? <laughs> but well, they didn't. Obviously. obviously they yeah obviously they didn't because they don't know who's going to win the awards so then they set this whole thing up where it's just like well obviously Chadwick Boseman is going to win and then he didn't and so you, then you have this horrible situation like you say where you've got Hopkins who who is not is not there is not able to be there you've got Boseman's but you've got this whole kind of false emotional climax of the entire awards show and it, and it doesn't pay off right it's and the thing was I think that it would have been false even if Bozeman had won. I think that it would have been um, easier to process probably. Like it wouldn't have been this massive mm-hmm. kind of sense of unfairness. But to move the order of the awards in order to in order to to I don't know feature this actor who's passed away. I mean they didn't do that when Heath Ledger died and won no. for um, uh, the Joker, right? And, and that's not saying that like any of this is necessarily comparable, but it just seems like such a bad move and so calculated that then it would have felt calculated even if he had won. Yeah. Um, In so. fact, I think it would have felt more calculated. And that's where I say, like, if mm-hmm. he had won, it would have felt like, did they open the envelope already? Did they know yeah. for sure this was going to happen? Because it seems so unthinkable that they would take such a calculated risk like that and have it blow up in their face and that's exactly what happened yeah it's it's distressing and yeah it's distressing that so many people have decided to go after anthony hopkins who didn't do anything wrong um in fact in fact was basically like paid tribute to chadwick boseman in his speech but Mm -hmm. to be like oh his performance wasn't that good and all that stuff just like well we have two separate things going on here right we have two actors who gave two different performances and one of them won and we have an academy and the, we have the, the fact that one of the actors has passed away since then. And we have an academy that decided to kind of create this emotional moment that then didn't even work. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's Did you see The Father? I haven't seen The Father yet. Um, oh, it's I'm so... still, I, I, I think I said this, I've actually seen the play that it's based on. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that's right. I, yeah, I saw it on Broadway. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, Did you see like, it with Frank Langella? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it was it was excellent. Like I, I actually I went to see one of my friends had tickets and he just invited me and it, it was fantastic. Um, but I would be interested to see how they do that on film because it can be um, the way that the play is set up is is I imagine that it's very different in the way that they do it on film. But, well, yeah, and it's funny because as I was watching the movie, I was like, I can't imagine how they would do this on stage. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah, it would be interesting. But yeah, the, the whole thing was very, it was sad. And it also, and as several people have pointed out, it also robbed, I think, Nomadland and Chloe Zhao of this cathartic th- moment as I well. I think that, yeah, I think that was even more frustrating to me because as much as we went into Oscar night, sure that Chadwick Boseman was going to win, we knew Chloe Zhao was going to win. And to put Best Director as the eighth award given out on the night when you know this is about to be a historic moment for best director or at least very likely about to be was just like oh all right well it's not that special it's like wait what and then to have best picture which is 
also directed by a woman and Frances McDormand, who we didn't know if she was about to win Best Actress, but she's now the first actress to have an Oscar for acting and for producing like huge historic moments and Nomadland should have been like the reason you put best picture last just like you put the best dramas or whatever the tv stuff at the emmys last is because that is the culmination of all the work you've been celebrating all night and no it's not a sweep it's not like Nomadland won every category it only got three oscars but you're talking about your editing and your sound and your cinematography and you're celebrating the art of the movies and then you end with and then this was the best film that did all of these things. And you have a big celebration because it's exciting. It's a big moment. And then you go off with your life, you know, and go on to the next year. But yeah, they didn't do that. And it was really unfair to, to close out to everybody at Nomadland to not get to be the ones that celebrate at the end. And instead you have Joaquin Phoenix bumbling through a list of, of actors saying the name of someone who wasn't there and then just all right bye and it fades to black and it's just like what just happened it yeah it, it really it felt anticlimactic and it felt very unfair to a whole lot of people it did um and and in some ways it was similar to you know i mean there have been so many fuck-ups in the academy awards for the last couple of years but it, it felt similar to the the script with moonlight um when and again this wasn't in an intentional screw-up right but it was that sense of like, so you've got these, um, you've got this film that should be celebrated and they don't really get a chance to celebrate. Right. Um, you don't really get this chance. So the, the Academy Awards really, they, in terms of the production of their show, they really need to get on the ball now because at a certain point, it's like, it almost feels deliberate that, that there's like, oh, we're gonna have some major screw up so that everybody is talking about it for a week afterwards. <laughs> Um, or something, and I know that it's not deliberate and everything, but it feels that way. There's there's this like, are you just doing this for the fun of it? Like you're confusing people so mm-hmm. that something gets fucked up. And what's really um, frustrating, especially with Best Picture with Nomadland and what happened with Moonlight, uh, it's like, I'm sure it's, a, it's I, I believe that it's an accident, it's a total coincidence. Well, I mean, Nomadland being not last was not a coincidence or an accident, but you know, it's like, why are these only happening to movies that are, you know, directed by people of color that are about people that are very marginalized? Because Nomadland, first of all, it's not that often that a um, a movie that wins Best Picture has a woman at the center of the story, like as the lead character. It does happen, but not that often. Um, and then it's about these people that are just like kind of living on the fringe of society as well and yeah anyway it's just frustrating it's like if it had gone the other way if like trial of the chicago seven had been best picture that would have landed much differently if la la land had won best picture but they'd accidentally said moonlight it would have landed much differently yeah yeah it, it feels it feels marginalizing I think is what it comes down to. And again, even if it's not deliberate, it does feel like they're not, you know, it it can be not deliberate, but that they're still not giving the appropriate attention to the award show itself. Yeah. Yeah. They're not giving enough care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there, there isn't this sense of like, you know, you actually care what happens here. You actually care that these are films when you're talking about Moonlight or you're talking about Nomadland 
um, or, you know, actually a number of the, the best picture winners over the past few years have been very interesting and strange and not Oscar bait films. I mean, you had um, Parasite, which is a Korean film. You had um, Shape of Water, which is a, a monstrous fairy tale. You know, you have all of these kind of very different films. And as more different films have been produced by a diverse group of people, it feels like they're paying less and less attention to the importance of that award. Mm hmm. Yep. I don't know. It's a little troubling. Um, so any other final Oscar thoughts? I don't have many. I just wanted to kind of mention the, the Chloe Zhao win because it is very cool. We are very glad about this. It's so great. And also Emerald Fennell winning for yeah. original screenplay. It was so great too. Those two, those two words were just, ugh, they made my heart happy because I believe, and someone else can correct me, but I believe Emerald Fennell is the first woman in like 20 years to win a screenplay award as a solo writer you know i mean we've talked about this before but at the same time i'm like yay hurrah these are good things but also jesus christ yeah. me. Mm -hmm. like guys please get on the ball about the fact that you know not white men are very interesting writers and directors and performers and all kinds of things yeah um all right. So I, I, yeah, I think that that's, that's really important. And so of course we say congratulations to Chloe Zhao and to everybody um, who won an Academy Award and who was nominated because there were some, there were actually some great films and great performances this year. There really were. Um, despite the pandemic, despite all kind of the weirdnesses of the way that the Academy Awards fell out. Um, moving on, I, I want to talk about a, a film that has actually just been released in the United Kingdom. <laughs> um, and has some fantastic reviews in the Irish press, by the way, if you ever want to look it up. Uh, but I was reminded of the existence of this film the other day because it was just released in the United Kingdom and people are talking about it again. Um, and so I had to mention it and then we were like, okay, well, we have to talk about this movie. Um, this is the film Wild Mountain Time, which actually came out in the United States, I think at the end of last year. Yeah. And I, I was alerted, I kind of remember when it came out, I was alerted more to its existence when one of my friends sent me a Buzzfeed article about it. Um, and then I was like, well, now I have to see this. Uh, <laughs> there, there is just not even a question of this. Um, so Wild Mountain Time uh, is, is a romantic Irish Com comedy is it romantic something i that's how it's billed like it's a <laughs> it's a thing uh romantic let's put quotation marks around romantic uh irish drama which deals with the conflicts between um uh, two families with with adjoining land basically and it starts emily and, and this is a great cast i have to say emily blunt jamie dornan john ham and christopher walken Right, that is an excellent cast right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> not, well, I was not expecting John Hamm. When he showed up, I was like, of course. <laughs> and John Hamm is here. Of course um, he's the hot American cousin. <laughs> and and I, I watched this film for the first time a while ago, so I refreshed my memory of some of it. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a film. It, it is a... It has so many different problems that it's difficult to pinpoint where exactly because eventually all of the other problems of the film get subsumed under the weirdest twist, I think probably in the history of film. <laughs> um, and, and I'm saying that not like, because this is not a surrealist drama. This is not, you know, absurdism. This, this is, is not like, romantic oh. romantic 
dramedy. Yes, this is not like a Bunuel film where suddenly an emu walks through the frame. Like this is this is like an, a supposed to be a serious movie. I would and, like to point out too, though, this was written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, whose name might sound familiar because he wrote Moonstruck, <laughs> and he also wrote um, he wrote, uh, Doubt. Uh, yeah, he wrote Doubt. Right. Yeah. He wrote the play and then adapted it for the screen. <laughs> Same guy. I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't know because, so we're going to spoil this movie because there's no way that we can really talk about it without spoiling it. First of all, these are the worst Irish accents I've ever heard in the history of Irish accents. It's embarrassing. Like, and I am going to include like, pretty much every bad Irish featured film um, from classical, from the classical period, because at least like most of those people were actually Irish Mm -hmm. or had Irish background. I don't think that anyone, maybe Jamie Dornan has some Irish background somewhere along the way. I was trying to remember, like, is he Scottish or, cause I know. Jamie Dornan is, I can tell you right now. Um, I'm going to laugh my face. Oh, he is Irish. Irish. He is fucking Irish. He's from Northern Ireland. (laughs) What happened, Jamie? Dorian? Oh my gosh! So what maybe happened? we just don't know what real Irish accents sound like. No, no one in Ireland sounds like this. None of the accents, like I, I don't, I, unless this is some part of Ireland that I have never visited and is like you know Hollywood Ireland or so. I don't know, but no one sounds like this. No what one. I do know is that I'm adding this to my list of questions for someday when I meet Jamie Dornan at a party and I'm going to be like, let's talk about Edgar dancing on the beach and also what the fuck was that accent in <laughs> Wild Mountain Time. <laughs> so, so, so we have these, these two characters. Ba- basically, this is like a weird thirsty romance where she's essentially been in love with him forever. And like has he- thrown her entire life away in the hopes that one day he will <laughs> love her too. And and he, for some reason, even though she's Emily Blunt, is like, no, absolutely not. It's like, why, dude? Like, why? <laughs> what What is the justification for this? Well, we f- eventually find out the justification um it's a pretty good justification again spoilers in a very earnest and long (laughs) scene in which jamie dornan confesses that he believes he is a honeybee and and to give to give the emily blank care whatever her name is rosemary oh my god her name is rosemary and it's called one mountain time um Uh uh to give to give her credit she does have a like a her initial reaction is what <laughs> it's like are you are you fucking kidding me like are you serious yeah that's the thing um, that happens so so he yeah he confesses to her that he believes in his heart of hearts that he is a honeybee um and that that's that seems to be why they can't be together um what i find very funny and what the buzzfeed article pointed out is that fairly quickly she accepts it yes (laughs) like an ordinary woman if a man was saying like hey the reason why we why i can't be with you is because i i literally believe that i'm a bee i think that our first reaction would be like i'm leaving or maybe i should call someone (laughs) yeah do you need help (laughs) in some way um but the fact that she's just like okay 
That's fine. It's like, I don't know. It feels like that this is almost a Stockholm Syndrome movie that she has dedicated so much of her life to being in love with this man and for him to not like pay any attention to her that when you finally get to this point, she's like, I cannot, it's it's like being in a cult or something. You cannot possibly accept the fact that this is crazy. So you just have to keep on going with it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. She's like, I've dedicated my entire life to this man. So I have to accept the fact that he is me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this. I, I, it's, I, I am amazed that this is a film that exists on this planet in this time. And that it was treated with such, such like seriousness. It treats this whole thing so seriously that I, I, think, I can't, it's hard to process. Yeah. I think that's the most baffling part of it is that it's not treated like a farce. Or, you know, like it could have had just like a playful tone to it, like kind of um, the personal history of David Copperfield or something like that. Or it could have just been like this kind of zany, um, tall tale type of story to it. But no, no, he is dead serious. She also makes a, uh, you know, she talks about feeling like she's the swan princess at one point because when she was a kid her dad was like you're a swan you're not a cat or whatever and there's like this weird thing where you see her suddenly like look like she's flying over the fields like a swan and i was just like wait a second is this what's happening but no she gets on an airplane (laughs) apparently Uh, it's so well and and there's there's a long history in Irish cinema of, and in Irish storytelling of, of mag- basically magical realism, right? So the concept of people that turn into animals is selkies, right? Mm-hmm. Which this could kind of fallen into, although the fact of a bee is just really hard to accept somehow. Like if he thought he was a horse, I would have had an easier time with it. Yeah. Um, it does feel like, is this a live action version of bee movie? Because I don't know about this. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's just, I, 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 I'm, I'm flabbergasted by it and I'm flabbergasted that anyone, I'm flabbergasted that, that these actors thought that this was a good idea and that anyone at any point was like, we should make this movie. Mm-hmm. And that I, I it was know. written and directed by someone who has an Oscar for writing. Yeah, it. Like I say, it's very hard to process. It's it's hard to like understand yeah. why or how or well, any, cra- anything. Yeah, what's also crazy is like he wrote Joe versus the Volcano, which is a weird little movie itself, but it has that element of, of unbelievability and stuff. Like it's very playful. And if this had been more like that, it would have made a lot more sense and it would have been fun instead of just like two hours of what am I watching? Well, and, and maybe the, maybe that's what this was intended to be initially and then it just didn't, the, the tone didn't work or something yeah. like that because it does feel like if this was more absurdist or more like bizarre or something like that, if, if it had gone farther with the bizarreness, it would have made better sense. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it it's the fact that it introduces this weird ass twist in the middle of what's basically a very rote, you know, rote but fine romantic drama. 
right? Yeah. There are other issues that this film has, but the twist just makes you go like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, Wild Mountain Time, you can watch it on Hulu. Uh, I, I honestly kind of encourage you to because my God, like, I don't think you will ever, ever see another movie like this. I will give it that. <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone in a recent article, I think in the Irish Times, it said referred to this as uh, this year's cats, which I was like, don't you, you know what cats caused in 2020? Don't, don't you start, start doing this to 2021? <laughs> no, no, that's not. Uh, I would say that's not even a fair comparison because at least for the most part with cats, you kind of know what you're getting into. <laughs> this one you yes. do not. Yes, that's true. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about, because we've been doing all kinds of things. Karen has been um, dealing with the Academy Awards. I've been dealing with the fact that I have given myself way too much work over the past few weeks. So we just wanted to talk about some of the films that we've been watching and some of the films that we're really looking forward to watch, because there are a lot of good things that are coming out on streaming this, this month. Um, so Karen, other than Wild Mountain Time, is there anything <laughs> that you were just like, people need to see this the film that you've seen recently uh old new whatever um let's see so i watched a movie the other day called stowaway um which is on netflix it's a new netflix movie it just came out i think like a week or two ago and i don't know that i would say that it's particularly good but it's certainly interesting it has tony collette it's actually just got four people in it. It's Tony Collette, Anna Kendrick, and Daniel Day Kim play these three um, astronauts. Anna Kendrick is like a medical doctor and Daniel Day Kim plays like a botanist or something. And anyway, they're heading to, they're on a mission, a two-year mission to Mars. And it's not totally clear when this is supposed to be set, like kind of a near future type of thing. But anyway, um, they're on their way to Mars for this big mission they're gonna go and like you know do some studying and see what they can get to grow there and stuff and they are just a couple of hours into their trip when they discover a man has been sealed into a compartment he didn't intend to end up on their their vessel uh they didn't know he was there and they find him it's uh it causes some problems and of course one of the big problems is now they're not going to have enough oxygen for four people um to complete their trip and there's damage to the um there's damage to the um spacecraft and all that stuff so what's interesting about it is um the philosophical questions that it asks like what do you do in this kind of situation what's the right thing like do you like basically they're not they can't turn around because of the speed they're going at so basically the only way for anybody to survive is for someone to die and how do you make that decision and how do you how do you make that choice so um interesting i I, I, like i said i don't know if i would say that it's like really really good but i was pretty compelled and i'm really glad i watched it that does i mean that does sound interesting actually yeah i've I've heard of it. I think a few people were, have been talking about it recently because it must have, it, as you said, it just came out. Yeah, having a very small cast in a basically a single location because they're in this very confined space 
and not introducing other elements like, oh, there's an alien creature, you know, or whatever. (laughs) It's really able to just focus on the philosophy of what do you do in this situation Mm -hmm. and what is, what is right as a human, you know? That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Well, I, I've been watching a whole bunch of different films and um because of my work i tend to wind up watching half of a film one day and the other half the next day uh there are a lot of good ones but one of the ones that i wanted to to talk really briefly about is unfaithfully yours which i saw earlier this month and it's a preston sturgis film it's one of the few preston sturgis films i had not seen um and there are a whole bunch of his films that are currently on the criterion channel and so i was like well you know this is one that i haven't seen i'm not a big fan of rex harrison but i was like but it's preston sturgis i'm going to go along with it it's hilarious um as i would expect but what i really liked about it is that it is very dark because the whole plot is about a um a conductor who goes away on a trip and comes back and his brother-in-law basically tells him that his wife is having an affair. And when he finds out about this, at first he doesn't believe it because him and his wife are really close. They love each other like desperately. This is a very passionate marriage and everything, but it kind of begins eating into his soul and he begins fantasizing about um, what he should do. Right. And so as he's conducting a concert, a lot of the film takes up uh, this, this, just this one concert where he conducts three different pieces of music. And during each piece of music, he has a different fantasy about what he should do about his wife having an affair. And one of them is like he, he fantasizes about how he's going to murder her. Um, another one, he fantasizes about like being the self-sacrificing husband. Um, and it's it's quite funny because then you get to what he actually does and what actually happens afterwards and it's a farce it's slapstick but it has this really fascinating undercurrent of this whole idea of fantasy kind of letting your jealousy run away with you and letting your fantasies run away with you and also you know the things that he imagines people doing in reaction to uh, an, a, a potential affair it all plays out very differently than what he actually thinks is going to happen. It's a really funny film. It's really well acted. If you've seen any other Preston Sturgis films, it's very much in his, his wheelhouse. Um, and one of the things that I like about Preston Sturgis films is that, uh, that his characters are uninhibited in their thirstiness. <laughs> like I've never seen films from the classical period where it depicts characters who are quite obviously having sex, like constantly. Um, And this is true for almost all of his films. His films, as as my friend Anina said, his films are really all about sex. They're just like kind of get concealed under this slapstick and this screwball comedy, but really it's about how these people desperately want to have sex with each other. So that film is on is on Criterion. So is uh, one of his more famous films is The Lady Eve, uh, Sullivan's Travels. Um, Miracle of Morgan Creek. There are all kinds of really great films by him and um, really worth it because it's, these are not typical, I think, of the classical period, what we associate with the classical period. He gets away with a lot, both yeah. in terms of violence and in terms of sex. Hmm. So I just wanted to mention that one. Is there anything else that you've been watching, Karen? um well let's see i did start the new season of the handmaid's tale they dropped three episodes i love it when hulu does that because they do weekly releases but um 
a lot of times with new seasons, especially when it's been a while or a new show, they'll just like put the first three um, episodes out altogether, which is fun. I didn't love when a major publication was, I had luckily already seen it, so it didn't spoil it for me, but they tweeted spoilers about the the show and then hulu retweeted it and i'm just like it came out literally yesterday you know how many of your people cannot watch like your fans cannot watch it until the weekend like that's so that sucks but anyway um it feels like the fourth season is um i mean it's the show is always dark and it's dreary and it's bleak and it's not getting happier but it definitely feels like there's been some forward momentum even though it's weird because even though it's still taking place just within a couple of weeks of the the last season ending it feels like finally we're really getting somewhere because i feel like especially season three started to just feel like it was spinning its wheels and now it's like okay i can see where where they're headed and i can see where kind of what the the end game is for the show even though we've still got this season and at least one more i can see like okay there's definitely a direction this isn't just going to be more of the same so i i enjoyed the first three episodes i can't wait to see what else happens with the season that's good yeah i still haven't waded into the handmaid's tale mostly because the book bothered me so much oh i hated the book to begin with (laughs) well and then and then i think the initial the initial season was released like very close to trump's election Uh uh-huh and and i was just like i can't i can't like i i am depressed enough as it is yeah no and that and that's the thing like this is not a show that is for everyone definitely and not only that but even when you're like, yeah, I can watch this. Like there are, there are certain things that happen throughout the series where it's like, it's, it gets to be too much for me. And I'm like, I don't know how, I don't know how the actors got through this. And mm-hmm. like McKenna Grace is in it this season. And I don't want to get too much into her character and what she's there for because of spoilers, but it's, I don't know how such a young person I don't know how some of these young actors are able to reach the places they're able to for, for this type of work. And it honestly scares me why she's so good. Um, but she's, she's very good in it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of bleak television shows, um, (laughs) and I think that you've been watching this as well, mayor of Easttown. Yes. Um, which is on HBO Max. And I kind of started it because it had been very well reviewed and people were talking about Kate Winslet as being excellent in it. Um, And then, you know, I actually watched it and it is very good. It's bleak. Uh, It reminds me a lot actually of the British show Broadchurch. um, If you ever saw that one. I never did. Um, It's been on my list for years. That's very good. It's on Netflix. That's again, it's, it's not for everybody. It is very compelling um particularly the first season and but it is it's dark <laughs> like it's it's difficult to process sometimes um but mayor of Easttown, i think does a good job with kind of getting you invested in these characters lives and I, we watched the second episode last night and i was like oh my god oh my god <laughs> drama if there wasn't enough drama before now there's even more drama <laughs> um but i think one of the things i like about it is similar to what we were talking about when we talked about winter's bone um uh, earlier the, in our bonus episode which is that it doesn't feel like it's talking down to people 
it is actually treating um, people's you know everyday everyday day to day lives as being very important and the issues that they're dealing with as being very important without treating it as like poverty porn or treating it as like ah oh, look at these backwards hicks or anything like that. Um, it's it's a very well done show and I quite like Kate Winslet in it and amazingly enough I like Evan Peters who I don't usually enjoy. <laughs> yeah, because I find him very creepy. <laughs> usually he is yeah i um i am offended to my core that kate winslet is playing a grandmother um because (laughs) she's only a year older than me she definitely had kids really young though i I know but still she's only a year older than me this is possible and it makes me mad Yeah, initially, like, I was having difficulty working out all of the family relationships, and I was like, wait, she's the grandma, and so that makes, like, Jean Smart the great-grandma? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) But this definitely is a town where, like, people just have kids young, because it's one of those where you stay in the same place. It's where you grew up, you stay there, you get married young, and you have kids young, and well, yeah. and I mean, you you think about it. I think that she had a well, she had a kid when she was like twenty or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if you're forty, that means you have a twenty year old kid. So yeah, exactly. It, it does. It, oh, it all I, depends. Yeah. I I could have a teenage <laughs> daughter right now if I had had kids young enough. I know. No, I actually know someone who was born on my exact same birthday who just his first grandchild was just born, and I'm like, my brain mm-hmm. is not willing to accept this. This is not okay. <laughs> it's just like no, but I am a kid. That can't exactly. Be right. <laughs> I can't even have kids yet. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Like I think about, I think about if I were a mom right now, I'm just like, no, that, no, that, that, <laughs> no, that sounds terrible. Just like, I am not prepared for that. Absolutely. Not. <laughs> I am too young for that. I am not an adult. I'm an adult. I still have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm at Costco. I'm such a grown up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like this, I, I bought a car this, uh, this past, this past couple months and I'm like, ah, I'm a grown up now. I've registered a vehicle. <laughs> I'm paying insurance. Yeah. Um, anyway. I don't know what that says exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what about films that are coming out or that are going to be released on streaming, on various streaming services um, this this month? I, I have to say, I just went through the Criterion Channel's um, new releases and I discovered that not only are they showing uh, several Lois Weber films, which um, at least one of which I have not seen, they also have a whole bunch of other films. They have films like by Alice Guiblachet, uh, Germaine Dulac, um, Dorothy Davenport. Like I was actually quite surprised because they hadn't really seemed to be advertising these at all. And I was like, why are you not pushing the fact that you have all of these great films that you're just putting up on, on the service? Yeah. Well, they like to do month or like weekly, they do a monthly email, but then they do weekly ones of like kind of this is what's coming up. And so maybe that's why I just haven't noticed some of these things, but I'm pretty excited about the Josephine Decker films that are coming. Um, She's the director who did Madeline's Madeline and last year she did Shirley, which was great. I love that movie so much. And so they've got a couple of features from her coming and also some shorts. So I'm really excited to see more of her work. I didn't realize that she had so many films that were available. So 
Yeah, I know that I've been wanting to see um, Butter on the Latch for mm -hmm. a while. And uh, um, and it was on, a, I think it may have been streaming on Shudder or something like that for a little while. And then it went off and I was really disappointed because I couldn't find it um, to stream anywhere. And then, so now it's coming out. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really good stuff. The Lois Weber films um, include two feature films and a couple of shorts, including the film Suspense, which is one of um, one of her kind of best known films. Um, it's only eleven minutes long, but you know, if you if you want to talk about D.W. Griffith inventing uh, continuity editing and cross cutting <laughs> and suspense, uh, cinematic suspense, you've never seen a Lois Weber film. Exactly. <laughs> There, yeah, there's some great ones. Uh, Dorothy Davenport's uh, The Woman Condemned, Germaine Dulac's um, The Smiling Madame Boudet. These are some really great early early uh, works by, by female directors that very often, you know, you might hear their names, but you don't necessarily get, um, get much information about them. You don't necessarily see their films a great deal. So it's, it's very cool to see them actually being put up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they've got a couple of Dalton Trumbo uh, films too, stuff that he wrote. Mm -hmm. So that'll be that'll be fun because there's some that I haven't seen. I mean, obviously Roman Holiday, I've like everyone's seen that, but um, and I remember seeing Thirty Seconds Over Tokyo when I was really young, but I haven't seen that in years. But um, yeah, so there are a few other ones that they've got from him too. So yeah, it looks like it's going to be a good a good year. Um, I mean, a good month for criterion releases at least i i was trying to i was looking at some of the other services like netflix has some you know they've got the Zack snyder movie coming out this month that i'm not interested in i i do think because like like i've said before i enjoyed dawn of the dead i think that one's actually kind of fun and so this is being another zombie movie i'm like eh, i probably won't it's going to be a different, much different movie from like his DC stuff. So I hope a little bit that I'll enjoy it, but also I'm just, I, I'm so over him. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. I I'm not, I'm not interested. Honestly, most of the stuff that I watch, I think comes from, comes from Criterion. Yeah. I was but looking at Shudder too. They're going to have um, the original and the remake of House on Haunted Hill mm -hmm. <laughs> coming up this month. So that'll be fun. You've seen the original, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Years ago, but they're gonna have it. So I love what I love rewatching stuff on Shutter. Like I've probably watched um Halloween a hundred times, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just because it's there and I like it. So yeah, but I haven't seen House on Haunted Hill in years. So like the original. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. And then um there's one movie that's coming out in theaters this month that I'm interested in i don't know how to feel about it because it is written and directed well co-written and directed by taylor sheridan but angelina jolie is in it and it's called those who wish me dead and my understanding of it is that she's basically trying to protect this kid who's in the witness protection program and it's up in montana so it's kind of out in the wilds you know um and so i'm not I, I'm very cautiously like I don't know it's Taylor Sheridan so who knows how this is gonna go but I really like Angelina Jolie so and I think that she's a good actor and so I'm 
curious about it so i'll definitely be checking that one out yeah most i i oh i did also want to encourage a few people to watch to watch the balcony which is also on on criterion channel um it is a adaptation of a jean genet play um which might mean something if you if you do film theory or literary theory it might mean absolutely nothing um jean genet is, is sort of an absurdist um writer and what was really great about this film, I think, is that it's, uh, it stars Shelley Winters, Peter Falk, and Leonard Nimoy. Um, and it's, it's about a brothel owner, played by Shelley Winters, who um, runs kind of, it's a brothel, but it's, it's a brothel where men come to kind of act out these extreme fantasies, uh, including pretending to be a bishop or a general. And Shelley Winters is having an affair with the chief of police in this unnamed uh, South American nation. And what happens is that there's a there is a revolution going on outside the doors and eventually the police chief shows up and they decide that they are going to pretend that these men who have been kind of playing out these fantasies of being archbishops, etc, should pretend to be the actual heads of government. Um, it's hilarious. It's bizarre. And it. it one of the one of the most surprising things was that like Leonard Nimoy has a small but very important role and he came on screen I was like oh my god Leonard Nimoy was hot <laughs> like that was my first reaction just like Jesus Christ oh I did not I was unaware of this okay um, <laughs> but it's a great film it's hilarious it's it's very feminist um and and it's it's uh it's a trip and it's only an hour and 25 minutes so it's definitely something to watch. It is on Criterion right now. Awesome. Yep, that's on my list too. So anything else before we close out this uh, kind of grab bag of an episode? Uh, you know, just our normal watch more movies. Watch, watch more movies and don't defend like sexual predators online that's yeah don't do cool. that you can and still also, like their movies it's okay to yeah. like movies but you know don't don't say like well actually you're wrong yeah and and also you're emotional because you're talking about this topic instead of logical it's like hmm, you're the one that seems to be getting mad <laughs> but whatever <laughs> yeah in general just stop assigning emotions to people especially to women because you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, well, yesterday it's, you know, it's like how, you know, how women can differentiate a lot more colors than men can. Like even men that aren't considered colorblind women just can <laughs> see more, more shades of blue, more shades of red. They just can see more colors. And, um, I was thinking about that in terms of like emotions too. Women have lots of different types of emotions and men apparently just don't understand this. And so they think like, oh, you responded in this way. Therefore you are angry. And it's like, no, I'm not angry. I am earnest. I am, you know, trying to get my point across. I might be a little frustrated, but I'm not angry. Stop saying I'm angry because you're making me angry. That's, that's the thing. It begins to, it turns into this like, well, now I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't before. Exactly. Now I'm getting mad. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, so just stop doing that just don't i've 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 actually had men be like why are you so angry it was just like oh this is not me angry this is just no. me like excited no yeah. you don't see me when i'm angry if you would actually like to see that keep talking mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah don't just don't piss us off like 
for God's sake. Um, <laughs> and the easiest way to do that is to tell us we're mad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think that not. that's their, I think that that's their goal sometimes actually. I think they so. Want, they want us to be mad so they can be like, oh, you're being over emotional. Yeah. Just Even like though, you know, I've never been run off the road by a woman who didn't like the way I was driving. Just saying. The men are too emotional. It's, it's, it's like they really need to be protected. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to protect them from themselves. Just, to, just don't worry your pretty little heads about it, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if they just would smile more, it'd be fine. <laughs> we do like individual men, of course. It's just the, the general majority like has problems and maybe guys need to work on that. Um, I think that that's going to close us out for this episode. Uh, as always, we want to thank our patrons, many of whom are men. We are really thankful for that, guys. We think that you're probably some of the good ones. Exactly. Um, uh, and, and as always, so we want to thank Adriana, Ali, uh, Heather, James, Kathleen, Cariata, Mason, Matt, Matthew, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, Tao, and Will. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting us. We really hope that you're enjoying the bonus episodes. We do hope to have some more stuff coming out uh, exclusively for patrons fairly soon. It's just, there's a lot of other work to be done and, and we, but we are working on it and we are making plans. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to join our Patreon, um, that is something that you can do and we'd be really, really grateful. And, uh, and you also get to listen to bonus episodes, you get to do some other fun stuff. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash citizen dame. Uh, and if you want to just kick us a few dollars and you don't want to make a commitment, that's fine. Co-fi.com slash citizen dame is where you can do that. We also do have a Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod, where you can buy masks and you can buy um, buttons and t-shirts. And I think that Karen's going to be throwing some more stuff up there soon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, and as always, we, we just are really grateful for support. Um, um, of any kind, basically, uh, because, you know, this, this is a podcast, we're trying to keep the lights on, and um, we really enjoy doing this as well. So you can also go to our website, our, that's uh, citizendamepod.com, where we have reviews, we're going to have a couple more reviews coming out, I have my review of Barb and Star, go to Vista Del Mar up there, because <laughs> I can't say nice enough things about that film, and that is one where Jamie Dornan is actually funny, and is supposed to be funny, uh, we love you, Jamie Dornan. Like, make more movies like that. I'm sorry that I've besmirched your Northern Irish heritage by not believing that you're actually Irish. Um, that accent, like, he did not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so confused. Uh, and we'll also have some more Blu-ray reviews and uh, film reviews and articles and stuff like that. We are getting up our top fives again. We promise. Yep. Uh, you can also send us an email, citizendamepod at gmail.com. Just let us know how we're doing, ask any questions. Uh, we do try to answer things, you know, give us a little bit of time. And if you do have a question for the podcast, something you want to, you want us uh, to read on the air or something like that, just let us know. We are always happy to talk to people. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at citizendamepod. We are very friendly and nice unless you are being an asshole. Um, you can also find us a multitude of other ways individually. Uh, Karen, where are you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at LH Business. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And we will be back next week. Bye. Standing on this holy land of Ireland, why shouldn't you marry me? I see things. I'm delusional. 
For the love of God, woman, I think I'm a bug. So what? Sometimes I think I'm a house cat. You do not. No, but I don't stay with it because I know I'm a swan.